Good morning. A couple of things before we get started today. Um, welcome back to the fall version of Sunday School. Um, you've already been given at this point uh, the remainder of the physical materials that you're going to get for this the next 10 weeks. Um, these booklets, these five booklets that you have, I know it's that important. Um, these five booklets that you have are in order um, so that um, so they also there's a Pam because like people probably want to know when they should be reading which one. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So I printed a paper that lists all the lessons, which week it is, which material it is. You'll notice in that list there's four weeks that there's no physical materials. I'm going to be emailing those materials to you uh, a week or two weeks before that session so that you'll have it. Um, it, Part of this is going to be a little more interactive than it's been in the past. I try to do a little bit more interactive when I'm teaching up here, but for the things that we're going to be talking about, um, it's really important that you do your homework. Um, Attention is not to embarrass anybody but you really need to be doing your homework Um, because the whole purpose of this is not for me to tell you what's going on. It's for you to see what the word says about what's going on. And if you're not doing your part of this, and we're going to get to that a little bit later, um, you're really not going to get anything useful out of this. So um, let me pray for us and then let's get started for today. Father, open our minds and our hearts. Help us to see how simple this is for you. But help us to understand how hard, how impossible this is for us on our own without you. Through this, drive us back to Christ. To understand how utterly incapable we are to have hope. But how perfectly capable Christ is to give us hope. Help us to see that once our hope is grounded in you, help is also grounded in knowing you better. Guide us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple things before we really get into this. This semester, Sunday school time has three purposes. Okay? Through each week, hopefully you're going to find where life, your life is going to intersect with one of these three purposes, or more than one of these three purposes. So the first one is this. If you don't know Christ, or you don't know Him well, Through these studies, you're going to come to know him better. Take heed to the warning of Acts 17.30. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now commanding men that everyone everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he determined, having furnished proof to all by raising him from the dead. The second way this may intersect with your life is that you may find that we're talking about an area that you're struggling in. Maybe it's a public struggle. Maybe it's a private struggle nobody else knows about. But you're going to see that God not only has words for you, God has answers for you in his word. But that his heart is that he loves you. And not only that he loves you, but that he wants you to trust him. In your most difficult of times. This comes from Matthew eleven twenty eight, which will be your companion if this person is you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The third purpose for this is for those of you that have already been through this stuff. Um, you're going through the lessons and you're going, where was this stuff when I was struggling? Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7 is your verse that you need to keep in mind through these times. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we, ourselves, we ourselves receive from God. So God is preparing you through the things that you've been through. His desire for you is that, he, that you are ready to help those who are suffering now, those who are struggling now. You need to hear Him as He calls to you. He equips you through His Word, and you need to be, be prepared to go into those uncomfortable places. Because when he calls you to share his work, his love, and his compassion, it is because those people desperately need it. So before we get into this, I, I struggled a little bit with the, the, the order um, because of a couple of things. Um, I'll be traveling one week, so I won't be here that week. And we've got the members meeting. And I had to, as always, I have more than I have time for. So I'm trying to condense some things together. So this is the condensed week. It's not going to come later. It's coming now. So this was supposed to be about hope, and that's where we're going to spend some time is talking about hope. But with hope comes help. With hope comes help. Without the hope, there's no help. So to understand the I want to change, you have to truly understand the hope. So in your conversations with people um, in disc golf, um, over coffee, over dinner, at work. <laughs> what are some of those words that they use that indicate they don't have hope? Can't cope. Feel lost. Feel lost. It is the way it is. We have to be careful because we use that a lot, don't we? Um, but it's true. It's almost a coping mechanism to say that. Yeah. Don't know where to turn. Don't know where to turn. And if you're wondering why I'm repeating all of this, there have been people that are traveling that said that when I ask these questions and people answer, if I don't repeat it, then they don't know what they said. So I'm trying to help with that. So the first question that you have to ask is people that are asking, saying these things. The first question that I want to ask is, so where are you placing your hope? What's your hope in? If I have no hope, if, if I don't know where to go, where are they placing their hope? Themselves. Circumstances. Circumstances. Other people. Themselves. Things of this world. What'd you say? Said themselves. Themselves. 
Um, especially in our current culture, feelings. I don't, you've heard this one, I don't feel like I'm saved. That, that's, that's a sign of hope, hopelessness. I don't feel like I'm saved. So, as I'm going to do, you need to know that I don't have any answers. I have no answers. I, I am not the person that you come to to find answers. The Word is where the answers are. So all I am is a tour guide pointing you to the right place to go to look for things. Because there are people who have come before me who have walked that same path that I have followed, pointing me to the right place to go. So although my Bible's here, I have the verses here so that I can keep up with where I'm at. But you're going to be doing this work. So get your Bible out because you're going to need it. So let's see what Scripture says about hope. John 3.36. I need somebody to read that. Kristen? Okay, so he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Such a nice feeling verse, right? Let's set that to the side for a moment and let's finish the rest of the verse. Because you're going to have people, maybe you, maybe people you know, maybe somebody in your family that says, well, I believe in Jesus, so that makes me a Christian, right? What right do you have to talk to me about this or that because I believed in Jesus. I said the prayer. I got baptized. But there's a word here. It says, but. But what? What? Uh, before that. What? It's obedience. He who does not Obey the Son. In other words, don't matter what you say, matters what you do. And if you don't obey the Son, now what's the result? The wrath of God. <coughs> this is what John says. Okay, so turn to Romans 2, verse 5. Somebody read that. I got you. Man. But because of your hard and infinite heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Who, who, whose stubbornness and unrepentant heart? Whose stubbornness and unrepentant heart? Yours. Yours. Mine. Yours. Mine. Storing up wrath for ourselves in the day of wrath. But, but, right? But, not, but, but, uh, Romans 3.10. Therefore, 
flip over a page. Somebody read it. But not even one. Um, and somebody read the first seven words of Romans six twenty three. stubbornness, our unrepentant heart. No one is righteous and the wages of that is death. God's wrath (coughs) is on him. Well, God loves everybody. Okay, but it still says that he pours his wrath out on those who are unrepentant. But, no buts, God's wrath is going to be poured out or is being poured out on you now. Where's the hope in this? Where's the hope in this? Turn to Romans chapter 5. This is why we're all these topics that we're going to cover over the next 10 weeks. This is why I'm spending so much time right here. Because without this, without this, there is no hope. Without this, there is no hope. Romans 5, 8, and 9. Somebody read it for me. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So we're unrepentant. We're, un- we're stubborn. We get God's wrath because of it. No, not. Uh, you can't give an excuse. You are that person. But in the scriptures, it's such a great word, isn't it? But God. Okay? So, what does God do? I'm not giving answers today, folks. You are. He he shows his love. He demonstrates his love. Don't jump ahead. He demonstrates his love. Not don't jump ahead. These words are so important for us. Not for them. For us. Okay. Remember, Acts 17, the first thing that's required is repentance, right? But once there's repentance, God demonstrates his love by doing two things. What are they? Verses, the end of verse 8 and verse 9. He dies for us, but what's the purpose of that? His dying does, justifies us, and saves us. Okay, this piece, this piece is the foundation for hope. Because if you truly understand yourself as a person, you know that nothing you can do, nothing you can spend your time on, and nothing you can invest in can give hope. 
And we see around us in our society, the world is doing everything and spending all the money they can possibly spend for hope. And it is empty. How many Christians are doing the same thing? Because you say that you have hope, but you live as if you have none. So, let's talk about repentance just for a second. Did everybody bring their repentance card that was inside your, in your, inside your book? Or did you leave it at home? Bring your stuff with you. Bring your stuff with you. Okay? It's the teacher coming out in me. Bring your stuff with you. This is an important thing to keep on your desk, on your mirror in your bathroom. Because when you think you're being repentant, you need to check yourself. Uh, On the back side are verses that talk about Scripture's view of worldly sorrow. And Scripture's view of genuine godly sorrow. So let me, and I'm going to wager a bet because this wasn't this, that many of you didn't look at this. Although this is what I tell my students. If I gave it to you, I gave it to you for a reason. So you need to make sure anything. So uh, when we get to peacemaking, there's a book on conflict and there's a pamphlet on peacemaking. You need to look at both. Okay. So let's work through the worldly sorrow. Now, I just want you to think about yourself. Don't think about your children. If you have them, don't think about your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your cousins, your workmates, the people in your home group. Think about you. Okay? So, the last time that you were sorrowful about something that happened or something that you did, were you self focused? Self protective? Were you just hating the consequences of your sin? Oh man, I wish I hadn't been caught. Were you blame shifting? Yeah, but if they didn't do this, then I wouldn't have done that. If they didn't say this, I wouldn't have said that. (coughs) You ready for some toe stepping? Resents accountability. So if one of your brothers or sisters in Christ comes to you to say, hey, you know what? I think this is a problem. And you get your back up. Resents accountability. Impatience. Demanding to be trusted and restored immediately. Well, I said I'm sorry. Focuses on the sin of others. Well, look what they did. They did this to me and that was wrong. Probably was. Doesn't change the fact. Criticizes the disciplinary process. Hard heart. Unchanged heart. And get into this conversation regularly with family members. Because I have a lot of family members who think that they're Christians. And it comes back down to... Is there any fruit to your sorrow? Is there a change? Is there true fruit? If there's no fruit, then there's no real sorrow. So let's look at, that's the worldly sorrow. I think you figured that out. 
Let's look at the godly sorrow. Focuses on God and the other person. (coughs) The well-being of others is your first priority. Hates the sin itself and and, and accepts the consequences of the sin. Hates the sin itself and accepts the consequences of the sin. Fully accepts responsibility. Seeks accountability. Patient. Focuses upon their own sin instead of the sin of others. Submits to the disciplinary process. This is hard for men and women, but it's particularly hard for men to submit themselves to other men. Changed heart and shows fruit. So, God has justified us. We've repented. God has justified us. And and, and I have to go from here. So, as we move through the next nine weeks, I'm not coming back to this and spending time on this. Spending time on this on the first week because this is the foundation for everything that we do. But, this is the foundation for everything that we do. So, for everything from here forward, I'm operating on the understanding that I believe that you are repentant. Because if you're not repentant, nothing that I'm going to talk about will make sense. And you're going to go, I've tried and I've tried and we're going to talk about that in a minute. I've tried, I've tried, it doesn't work. Tried it a hundred times and it doesn't work. So we've repented. God has justified us. God has saved us. Does he really care when you're hopeless? Because even after being justified, even after being saved... Believers still run into days or weeks or months that they feel hopeless. Don't get caught up in the lie that once you're saved, it's all roses and buttercups. We are promised tribulation and trials. So, does God really care when we feel hopeless? Romans chapter 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So he's going to take the good and the bad and he's going to work it to his good. I would say that somebody takes my worst and turns it into a beautiful thing is somebody who cares for me. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So, this God who not only has chosen to justify you and has chosen to save you, cares about you. Remember going back to Matthew chapter 11. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus talking. So, there's hope here. Now, I can spend three days talking about hope. And if you go on to the website and you download my notes, which are on the website, these are all of the verses that, and these are not all of them, but these are all the ones that I wrote down that have to do with hope. So if you think I'm not being fair and honest, I want you to go and start working your way through these. Because, and I think what's going to surprise some people is, You've got, uh, 
of course we think of God as hope when they were in the New Testament church, right? But everybody knows the Old Testament God was a God of wrath and justice, right? Where's the hope in that? Well, you need to go to um, Lamentations 3, Exodus 3, Psalm 91, Psalm 71, Psalm 119, Psalm 46, Psalm 121, Micah chapter 7, Exodus 34. Because throughout the Old Testament, God was a God of hope. But I'm not going to spend my time. We're going to talk, finish talking about hope. I'm going to talk for, for just a minute about one verse. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. I want you to see that God understands our physical, physical nature. He understands the struggles and the difficulties we have. And that even through those struggles and those difficulties, he expects us to have hope. And he equips us to have hope. So I need somebody to read 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So, first question for you. Look at the passage, because everything I'm going to ask you comes right out of the passage. What's God's... What's God's... um, is God seeing the difficulties in your life? Does God see the things that you're struggling with? How do you know? He acknowledges it. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't push it to the wayside. He says, though outwardly we are wasting away, He's not denying the fact that you're struggling. He's not, not denying the fact that you got a call from the doctor this week and they want you to go do a PET scan. And we all know what PET scan means. He's not denying that. So, where does true renewal happen? Where? Inside. What is he not promising? Outward renewal. Hmm. Folks, there's no guarantee that things are going to get better. But he's not focused on the better on the outward side. He's focused where? On the heart. Inside. Now, what's the next sentence say? For our light and momentary Afflictions. Uh, I'm looking around the room. Uh, I've been here for 15-ish years uh, at this point, and I've seen a lot of people that have dealt with a lot of <laughs> difficult and pain and suffering and hardship. And he calls them momentary and light afflictions. Do they feel momentary and light when you're in the middle of them? No. But what's his focus? Say it, say it so everybody can hear you. Eternity. 
For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So it's not a question of, I'm going to take you out of this. It's a question of quit looking at this and start looking, where does he ask us to look? So we, sorry, my version may be different from yours. So we fix our eyes. Okay, let me jump, get a little technical here for you. The Greek word for fix in some of your versions may be to look at, but the Greek is skopeo, which means to take aim. And if you've ever shot a gun or you've ever shot a bow and arrow or you've ever gone and played paintball or anything that involves a focus and an aim, you can't let anything else distract you. Your focus, your concentration needs to be on one thing and only one thing. What's that one thing you're supposed to be focused on? Look at verse 18. Things that are not seen because the not seen things are (coughs) everlasting, eternal. So the whole point of hope is this. It's not to ignore what's going on. It's to change your aim. To change your focus. What are you focusing on? Are you going to focus on the current situation that from God's perspective is momentary and light affliction? And some of you, your momentary and light affliction is happening now. And for some of you, your momentary and light affliction happened last year, two years ago, or five years ago, or seven years ago. And once you're in seven years in the past, it does look like it's momentary. So the current perspective is the problem. We have to look to the eternal. And in the eternal, God promises. And that's the verses that I want you to go read. All of the things that he's promising to you because of your eternal glory. So I I need to transition here. We need to move on. So um, hope is the first piece. If your hope is right, then help will come. You notice I didn't say help will be easy. Help will come. So you had a homework assignment. Three three, uh, things that stuck out to you and three questions. So let's have them. You knew this was coming. I've warned you like three times. Transforming my life is not about becoming happy or comfortable. It's becoming more Christ-like. Okay. Let's start and just start with facts right now. Things that stuck out to you. Stood out? Stood out, yep. Okay. That the goal of believers is to become more Christ-like and the change would be to the glory of God. The two things are very similar, aren't they? Kristen's and Lisa's. Other things that stood out? I'm no more or less accepted by God on my sinful days as my good days because they're all sinful days. Isn't there and hope in that? Isn't there hope in that? That even when I totally blew it yesterday, I'm no less accepted by God. Now remember, to have hope, you have to be, you have to be repentant. If there's no repentance, that's not for you. We're speaking to believers here. 
But yes, such hope in knowing that my sinfulness and my selfishness doesn't change who, who I am, who, who, who God is to me and who I am to God. Such a great thing. Other important things you picked up. God's regard for the Christian is based upon the perfect work of Christ. God's regard for the Christian is based off of the perfect work of Christ. Not on what you did today. Not on the fact that you screamed at your kids this morning before you came in. Not on the fact that you got into the argument with your spouse this morning before you came in. Not on the fact that you decided to not act very Christianly when a person cut you off this morning on the way to church. It's not based off of those things. It's based off of who Christ is and what Christ has done. There's great hope in that. What else sticks out? Obedience flows from the gospel. When you when you're focused on the gospel, then that is going to produce an obedience because of you know what he did. Not all the rules that I put on myself, but but the gospel. And this is so connected to another point that he makes in here. I don't want to miss this because sometimes, and not so much here, although I'm sure it is here. How many churches? see the gospel as the gospel and it doesn't impact everything else that I do. And what Weston is saying is that if, the, if your focus is on the gospel, that gospel is going to be spread out in your life through your obedience in every other area. So it, it, the, he mentions the, the gospel primer. Uh, Milton Vincent wrote the gospel primer and in it he, he, he goes through the gospel in a couple of different ways. One of them is daily readings. It goes to 31 days. If you're looking for a way to help you see how the gospel applies day after day after day after day, you need to get a copy of that. John and I were talking this morning. We're going to make sure there's copies of that on the book table. Because true change can only help if you understand how the gospel intersects with where you are right now. The gospel isn't just for salvation, it's also for sanctification. Other things that stick out to you? We are responsible to, and, and with that in mind, we are, we are responsible. There's a balance, right? God has his part, we, need to do something. we have our part. And I love in the conclusion, did anybody get that far? Because I know this was the longer of the books that we're using. And the conclusion he uses Peter's walking on water as the analogy for um, the, the, the balance in what God does versus what we do. God says, Jesus said, come to Peter. He still had to step out of the boat. God wasn't going to levitate him up over the side. So God has his part for us. We have our responsibility as well. And what is our responsibility? From Pam and I were having this discussion last night. What's our responsibility? Keep preaching the gospel to ourselves or getting the gospel. Or okay. Obey. Keep walking to him. Okay. Uh, obedient. The, the one thing that we read last night, it said uh, following God's law. Right? Following God's law is our responsibility. She says, well, what's God's law? Is it a law? Is it the law? What, what's he talking about? I said, what did Jesus say? Teach him to obey everything I've commanded. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
The, the entire law can be summed up in two things. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you start to figure that out, those four things you're going to discover, that factors into every aspect of your life. The inside, the outside. And by the way, if that's not enough, love your neighbor like he's yourself. Upon all the, on these two things about all the law and the prophets. So, yes. All right. So we got about two minutes. I'm sorry that this one was so fast, but questions. Because, again, remember, who doesn't have the answers? Greg doesn't have the answers. Okay. But, first of all, questions. Second of all, we're going to find the answers. So, and, and Weston commented this morning. He goes, it was pretty straightforward. I didn't have too many questions. And you're going to have weeks that are like that. What that tells me is this is probably not something that you're struggling with right now. Right now. But that's part of the reason why we wanted to put this in your hands. Because you're going to have a day when this is going to be your struggle. And to have a tool that you can come back to that's going to guide, take you right back to where Scripture is. I don't know if you noticed, this thing is full of the Word. It's focused on specific things. Every one that I'm going to give you is focused on specific things. So, questions? I like the way, my, I don't have a question here like my question, but I like the, the, the means. Just for me, it was just the, the need of, of us, the need of the church. You know, <coughs> pulling away from the church, we moved away from one of the biggest means besides prayer, yes. trials, scripture, other things you mentioned, the council. What he says on prayer in that fourth chapter. And it's only like a paragraph. If you didn't get that far, you need to go back and read it. Um, The other thing I want to encourage you to do this week, in addition to there is no homework because I haven't sent it to you, um, personal application projects in the back. I want to encourage you to take one this week and do it. No, I'm not going to call you on it. No, I'm not going to. I may ask you. Which one did you pick? How'd that go? What did you notice? And how this has gone with the having you work through the scriptures and tell me what it says is going to be how the next nine weeks go. So just understand you need to come prepared because all I'm going to do is ask you the questions. I didn't do as much asking today because I needed to set the foundation. But the questions are coming. Any final questions before we close? Sure. On the Psalm 119, it, one thing in there in verse 44, 45, whatever, it says, <coughs> says that it's a liberty, which is so counterintuitive to la 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 la. I love your law. I want to do your thing. And then it's and then he says it's a liberty. It's free. It just that's, I looked at the practical thing and seen that, and it was like. Which is interesting because you're only truly free if you're a slave of the gospel. And like you said, it's counterintuitive. You would not expect freedom to come from slavery. But true, true slavery to the gospel, to Christ, is what brings the freedom that we have to, for those things. Yeah, it's so good. Let me pray for us. Um, and then those of you that didn't get your Sunday school material yet, you can come on up and I'll give it to you. Father, thank you so much for this time studying your word. Thank you for... 
you having our answers, your hope that you give us. Um, Not the hope that we can attain to ourselves, but the hope that Christ gives through the sacrifice of his own blood on the cross. Father, help us to see if there's a time for change, that it's a time for us to actively pursue you and see what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.